Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and I am thrilled to be joined by the Flyers pre- and post-game live crew, Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer, and Ashlyn Sullivan, our Flyers pre- and post-game live host. And guys, it seems like you've had plenty of good things to talk about, which is refreshing. Travis Konechny has a hat trick. Uh, last night, the Flyers win again. They're 6-1-0 in their last seven games. Ashlyn, the more and more you see this team, how impressed are you with Konechny and, and what he's done? Oh, my gosh, yeah. just And so much so every night we're talking about him. And at times I'm like, gosh, we, we keep mentioning him, but you can't talk about him enough. And he's in every single rundown we talk about. He was basically 20 minutes of our post-game show last night because how could he not be? And you just see – him playing so consistently, and, and I love how low-key he is about everything. It's like, ah, oh, it's just luck, luck. Well, it seems to be much more than that, but just his humble attitude, and you can tell. I mean, I remember my first practice with the Flyers, I think it was about three weeks ago, and we were asking guys in the locker room, and, and they were starting to admit, like, Travis is our best player, and I'd never heard that before. And now it's clear as day. He absolutely is the superstar of the team. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, Joe, do you think this is sustainable? Obviously, he's already matched his career high in goals with 24. He's on pace for close to 50, which I'm not sure anyone's really expecting him to reach. But how sustainable can he be as an everyday scorer, everyday player? Well, I think, I mean... It is halfway through the season, so it's not that early. Um, and he's managed to be consistent through the whole first half. And, uh, you know, he ha- he admittedly had a rough couple of years. Um, I go back to a couple of years ago when he interviewed, did an interview with Taryn on Media Day and said that he came into the uh, season after the bubble and he was out of shape. And then you know, he gets married and has a baby and there was a lot of things going on. And now it seems like he's back to, he, he's back to, you know, like he's found a, a routine and um, came into camp in unbelievable shape. And, um, you know, when we, when they hired John Tortorella, I think a lot of times Jordan and I, you and I on this podcast, we, we talked about and we tried to identify guys that were going to thrive and that would, and guys that maybe would have issues with John Tortorella. And I think we both agreed that Travis Konechny was either going to totally flourish under John Tortorella or he was going to be have big problems. And I think he's answered that question because he came in, he got benched for that third period earlier in the season, and he really hasn't looked back since. And it seems like this coach is getting the most out of this player and I can't see a reason why that that why that would change anytime soon. Um, he already has equaled his career high in goals, and he just is everywhere. I mean, 
I mean, he could have scored five goals last night with the amount of chances that he had. And uh, this is just a level of play that we haven't seen from Konechny before. And I think uh, one thing we've really learned is that patience really can be incredibly important. Uh, we use the word patience so much, but sometimes that can mean multiple years where you have to be patient. And you just forgot that Travis Konechny is only 25. And sometimes guys um, need the right environment, need the right coach. Sometimes it just takes time. And two things that really stood out to me. One, he's killing penalties this, this year, and he's been great at it. Sometimes guys that play in all situations, they're in the game more often, and they, they're just more involved, they're more engaged, and it gets them going. I think that's been huge for him. And a second thing is he just sounds more like a leader to me. Uh, post-game, at practice, you know, like Ashlyn was saying, he's giving all the credit to his line mates. He, the other day, he kind of bristled at the fact that uh, someone asked him, do you think you were snubbed? And he's like, no, Kevin Hayes deserves to be an all-star. I'm happy for him. I don't worry about being an all-star. So he just sounds more and more like a leader, uh, which is important because he is the best player on the team now. And the Flyers need him to kind of lead this youth movement. So those are two things that really just stood out. Ashlyn, have have you seen more of a guy that sounds like an established player, not as much a young player? He's more established now. Oh, yeah, for sure. And even just my month and a half here, just you see him slowly starting to progress quickly, actually progress and just be the superstar of this team. And, and I knew when I first came here that he was one of the highlight guys, but but I didn't know the magnitude of what he could become. And we kind of saw this slowly building when he was matching his goal totals. And I think now that's the question that, that Joe just mentioned is, can he keep this up? I don't see any reason why not. So I think Coach Tortorella, I love – last night's game when he he kind of brought TK back down to earth not that I think he needs it but for all of us who were so fired up to talk about him he's like hey he's still screwing up he's still messing things up and I think that's a good thing because it shows he's not at that ceiling yet and that should excite Flyers fans if there's still so many things that he can improve on what could his potential be if if coach is saying hey he's not there yet that really is so funny. Like the coach comes out and says, yeah, he still screws up a good bit. And like, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's on a crazy 10 game point streak. It's, and it's like, yeah, it tells you maybe the ceiling's even higher. And that should be, I think, exciting for Flyers fans. And you know what, Jordan, the thing that came uh, that, that just came to mind too, was when Ashlyn spoke to him last week before one of our pregame shows, and she asked him about, have you allowed yourself to think about, you know, reaching the 40 goal mark? And it was almost like, that was the first time anybody brought that up to him, which we know it isn't. Um, but he was like, that wasn't really something that concerned him. And I think that's refre that is refreshing um, to see a guy that's not worried about, you know, that if he scores 45 goals and he's on a last place team, like that's not okay with him. Yeah. You know, he's not uh, like looking at his uh, scorecard every single night and, kind of worried about those sort of things. And um, it's more about like you both had alluded to the, the leadership role that I don't really think was there before. And a lot of that might have to do with, I'm not sure that Travis Konechny has had a coach that has a wanted or B demanded that he be a leader. A lot of that has to do with age, but you know, that's, I mean, not all coaches demand that kind of thing. I mean, there was there was always criticism of Claude Giroux and his ability to be a leader. And 
I think a little bit of that had to do with Drew's personality, but I don't know that there was ever a coach here that demanded a player be a leader. And I feel like Tortorella says, I'm going to be a leader, but I need to identify multiple players on this team that are also leaders too. And it it feels like Travis Konechny has taken the reins as one of those guys. And when you hear the coach talk about him, it's clear that they're in lockstep with that thinking. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. So we've spoken so much about the youth, and that was a major emphasis going into this season was that the Flyers wanted to play some younger players. Now, these kids aren't 19, 20 years old, but they're all under 25. And I think even in-house, people like management and the coaching staff, they didn't know exactly what to expect from these young players. But I feel like there's been a handful of them now that are starting to take real serious strides. And I think that's a big reason why the team's 6-1-0. and uh, Ashlyn, if you can point out one of the younger players that had just kind of opened your eyes recently, who would it be and why? I think especially after last night, it's Owen Tippett. And I just think yeah. it's fascinating when you see this fire team. And I think Coach Tortorella, every single time he has any media, everything, he's so big picture. And I think, at least from what I've seen with fans – that can be frustrating because you're, you want to win right now. You want to know what's going on right now. And it almost seems like coaches coaching for this year and next year. But how could he not when you do have all these young guys? And I just think regardless of the streak the Flyers are on right now or if we can even talk about playoffs here in a month, who knows if they're relevant. If you can point out five key pieces that are on an up trajectory, that seems like a success for the Flyers because I think everyone can agree that it's not right here right now that they're going to win all these games. You hope to progress here in a couple of years. And if you have key pieces you can build around, that's huge. And if you can name five of them, that's even bigger. It's so true. I think a lot of people, the pro tankers are saying, why are they winning? Why are they winning? But a lot of people in-house for the Flyers knew they had to learn about their kids. And if their kids are playing well and it results in wins, then that's the process. And it doesn't have to be about playoffs. If, if these young players take some strides and the Flyers learn about them going into next year, I think that's a real positive. Joe, how about you? Any young players that maybe have surprised you so far? Well, I'm going to say Noah Cates, and I'm not going to say it for the traditional reasons. He's not always putting up stats, but you hear the coach consistently talk about his defensive responsibility, which is, I think, in all sports – the thing that plagues young players is the lack of defensive responsibility. You always hear about it in basketball. Um, I mean, football, obviously, players are designated offense or defense. But, you know, that's not generally uh, the, you know, line one of the description of a young player is not about his defensive responsibility. Uh, With Kate's, I feel like it is line one. And then the scoring starting to come along. So I feel like this guy really can, you know, mold, is molding into a p- potential top six center. I'm not saying top six on this team. I'm saying top six on a contending team. This coach clearly goes out of his way to praise his play uh, on a game-by-game basis. And when you really start to pay attention to it, and you hear other guys like Konechny, um, I think it was the – I don't know if it was the Buffalo game or – no, it was a, it was a few, 
It was one of the road games recently. Connect me says uh, whenever any one of us screw up, Kate's is always there to to clean up the mess. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff people would say about Sean Couturier, who had played, you know, how many games in this league? Not a guy who is really in his fir- who is in his first full NHL season, and people, players, and coaches talk about him like he's a five year veteran already. And I think that's what stands out to me the most. Yeah, I thought there were three significant questions about three young players, and I I think these three guys have answered them. Uh, over the recent stretch one was can Noah Cates make the team not only did he make the team but he's like been their best defensive forward so he has taken bigger strides than I probably anticipated one another one was is Morgan Frost a full-time NHL player and right now he's looking more and more like he belongs in the league and he can play on a top six line if needed and then Owen Tippett was is he a third line guy that can maybe score 20 goals and I mean he could he could flirt with 25 to 30 so just three players that had big question marks, like are, are these guys going to be factors? And they've really taken significant strides, and I, I think that's why this team's surprising a little bit. And that kind of takes me into the next point. Ashlyn, do you think this team can maybe be a little more interesting in terms of playoff race, maybe putting itself around those group of teams where maybe it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could be in it come – next month or around the trade deadline. It certainly seems like that. And it's funny. I was thinking, I was talking to my dad about this last night. When you think of a progression of a team and you think it's supposed to last all year. And just in my month and a half with the flyers, I feel like the flyers have gone through three phases of progression. When I first got here, they were losing really close games and it was interesting and it was always down the wire. It was relevant in the third period. And then they would lose a nail biter. And that, that weighs on you. And that, that, arguably stinks more than a blowout loss. And Coach Tortorella was saying that a couple months ago. And then a couple weeks go by, now they're winning really close games. Same thing, nail-biter in the third. You don't know what's going to happen, and they pull out and they win a couple of those. It's awesome. And now I think, especially after last night, you're seeing them consistently almost dominate the whole game and win. And normally that doesn't take a month and a half. Normally that takes a whole year to progress in that. So it just seems like they're progressing so quickly and they have so much momentum And especially with a young team, I've found you almost have to fake believe at times. And when you do get a couple wins, the confidence for a young team is huge. That swagger, that motivation. And I think it was good. Coach Tortorella said yesterday that line is very clear where they're flirting with the line of, you know, being confident. But you obviously can't get cocky, especially when you look at the standings. We always said with the Jaguars at the end of the year, if you can be on the graphic, if you can be – in the hunt on the very bottom line, that's all you can ask for as a broadcaster, as a sports fan, is just to be relevant when it matters most. And if the Flyers keep this up, I don't see how they couldn't be relevant when it matters. Yeah, it's a great point about being on the graphic. Like, as long as you're in that picture, it gives young players something to play for. It gives the team something to play for. And, yeah, it's just fascinating to see what confidence can do for these young players where, like, you piece together some wins and suddenly – you go out there expecting to win, not hoping to win. Joe, how about you? Uh, where do you think the Flyers could be in a month or so from now? Um, they're 17, 18, and 7, and they're putting themselves in the picture. I, I'm not sure a lot of people are buying in that they're going to be in it in a couple of months, but uh, I definitely think they have made it more interesting than many people expected. Well, I think on a lot of levels, 
what you're seeing is diff so different from the past couple of years in the sense that things aren't snowballing on the team. Things aren't snowballing on individual players. Um, and in the end, I don't think they're a playoff team this year, but they're hard to play against. And that's kind of became a cliche uh, the past couple of years. You heard a lot of players say we need to be harder to play against, but they are hard to play against. Like, listen, I don't know what it is. I mean, I know the Capitals are working Nick Backstrom and and Tom Wilson back into their lineup, but if 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 they came into the game last night saying like, "Oh, it's the Flyers. We're just going to show up and win," clearly that didn't happen. Uh, that didn't happen with Buffalo on Monday night. Not that Buffalo was in a position where they've been good for a long time and would expect that, but they were the highest scoring offense. They didn't score. They got shot out on their home ice. Um, I now Toronto handled the Flyers pretty well, but the previous meeting with Toronto, they didn't. The Flyers made it tough on them in the end. So, and, you know, just to go back to your your point about Morgan Frost, like, and I said things not snowballing individually on guys. So I would say this time, even if you go back to November, Morgan Frost, he seemed lost with what his game was. You would see him just kind of drift over the blue line with the puck. He would get stick check, you know, puck. He would get poke checked before he even got to the circles. He didn't carry the puck into the zone with any sort of conviction. And I feel like now, not only is he doing that, he's got a confidence about him where he's make, creating his own shot. And I'll even say this. The game the other night when D'Angelo got benched, Frost's performance for a lot of that game was probably bench-worthy as well. He had some bad turnovers, the two of them that directly turned into goals. But he bounces back. And I don't think he would have bounced back in November. I certainly don't think that he would have been out there the next game and, and been a noticeable player. He would have kind of faded into the background and then you found yourself you would find yourself asking that question that we've asked a lot over the last year and a half. Is this guy an NHL player? Because his his game doesn't fit really in a bottom six and definitely not a fourth line role, but is he good enough to play in a top six role? And I feel like that question is being answered right now. And the signs are pointing up for that. Um, and we've seen it before. Shane Gostaspare was a player here where when his confidence was high, he was a totally different player than when his confidence was low. He could be the best player on the ice with confidence, or he could be the worst player on the ice if he had no confidence. And we saw those peaks and valleys with his game. And I'm not saying – I don't know that Morgan Frost's peaks and valleys are that extreme yet, and let's hope they don't get to be that extreme. But I think we're seeing the ability to make plays and the ability to bounce back when you make mistakes because this coach is not anti-mistake. In fact, he's pro-mistake. Listen to him talk. He's – He's all about how do you answer mistakes and what are the mistakes? Are the mistakes due to effort or are they due to trying to make a play? I think he's okay with the trying to make a play, which is why he's okay with a game like Morgan Frost had the other night. Both of the turnovers resulted from him trying to make a play. And I think that's a big step in the right direction for a young player. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. 
Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Opioid addiction is a national public health crisis. The Someone You Know podcast from the Independence Blue Cross Foundation offers inspiring stories that challenge stigma, offer hope, and humanizes the disease of addiction. Download the new season three of Someone You Know on all major podcast platforms. One thing I think I've learned is that the Flyers, just, I think, have some decent ingredients here, a lot more than they probably got credit for going into this year. There was a lot of national folks and a lot of people among the fan base that thought they were a mess going into this year in terms of just where they were from an organization standpoint of having some bigger contracts, some vets, maybe not enough youth, but I, I thought they could be better defensively, and that's what they they are. I thought their decor was pretty good, and that was I thought the primary focus of the offseason was cut down on the goals against with a coach that has a track record of doing it, a young goalie, and a, a solid decor, and then see where you are up front. And they've had some younger players take real good steps um, to give them a chance to score goals. Travis Konechny is flourishing. Some young players are getting confidence. And uh, and you're seeing some some solid pieces. So I think the Flyers definitely have some some really good ingredients moving forward. I, th- I think they have better young players than people thought. They have some good draft picks coming up. Um, and I think some of their core pieces that are a little older but not real old are, are proving that they can be impactful and, and be solid, consistent players. So I think that's just one thing I've I've learned is that there are some good ingredients here, and they're not a mess. Um, do I think they're going to be a playoff team this year? No, I'm not even sure if they're going to be in it because I think they're going to have some lumps along the way because they still are young and uh, young players tend to go up and down sometimes in waves. Like a wave right now we're seeing is still up, but I do think the picture for the Flyers is not as bleak as some people thought it was going into this year. And uh, if the Flyers make it interesting, I think that's a positive because you'll put some more butts in seats. I think some people are going to be intrigued by the team. And um, I think that's where the Flyers are right now. I think they could have really, after that 10-game losing streak, they could have really snowballed and it could have been a long, long season. Instead, they're somewhat in it. Um, Ashlyn, how much are we going to learn about this team maybe over the next two games? Another matchup with the Capitals who you got to think are champing at the bit to face them again. And then the Bruins, the best team in the NHL. I think two more barometers here for the Flyers. Yeah, these are, these are rough. These are definitely speed bumps. I mean, if you can get one on the capital Saturday away, I think that's, that's huge. That's beyond huge. And I don't think anyone's expecting the Flyers now to go beat the Caps on their home ice and then beat the Bruins on Monday. I think that's unrealistic. If you can go one and one and more so, I just think, 
don't have an outcome like you did with Toronto. You know, make this game relevant. Like we say in the third period, it, it's a nail biter. If even if they lose both these games, if it can be a nail biter in the third, once again, you're seeing the progression. And fans don't want to hear that, but it is a big picture right now with the Flyers. It's not about winning these two games and staying in the hunt. You know, if they can be relevant, that's huge for the big picture of this team. Jordan, if I could just uh, wanted to follow up too on on what you were just saying about, you know, where the Flyers are right now. Um, You had mentioned, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team and they may not be in it. A big factor there is the trade deadline. And if this truly is about the big picture, you might have to sell off some of the pieces that are helping you this season to benefit future seasons. JVR is a perfect example. I mean, he's got one year left on his deal. He can score goals. He can help somebody's power play. That's an attractive piece. So, you know, there could be – that's going to be a decision. But what you want to see is the Flyers make it tough on the front office to make that decision. Because there's – if the fact that there's – if there's a question, the fact that there's a question about what they're doing at the trade deadline – is progress because I think all of us said, well, at the trade deadline, you're going to dump this, 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 and this. And now that's not as clear cut. And, you know, in terms of the next two games, um, I totally agree with Ashland that it's unrealistic to expect that they're going to win both of these games. Um, The Capitals will come out loaded on their home ice to get revenge for uh, what happened um, on uh, Wednesday. And then, you know, the Bruins are one of these teams where I feel like every season you hear like, okay, they're getting old. Uh, this is going to be their come down to earth year. I feel like they're almost like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like they're never an irrelevant team. And not only are they not irrelevant, they're, they're, I I mean, how many, do they have what two losses on their home ice in regulation the whole season? Like, it's, it's hard to fathom what's going on. And the captain of their team's 38 years old and just playing like he's 28. Um, of course, David Pasternak doing what he normally does, so that's not surprising to anyone. Um, they just keep on rolling no matter what. I mean, they had injury issues coming into the season, and all that seems to go – that all seems like uh, – distant memories at this point when you look at their place in the standings i mean they have to be uh getting bored almost at this point with their lead in the division in the conference um because i think at last look they were 12 11 12 points ahead of toronto i mean that's just crazy and we've got a good look at how good toronto is so it's hard to fathom that a team has gotten out to that sort of pace um, especially a team that everyone thought this was going to be their, uh, their, you know, come back to earth year. But as I said, it feels like that's a theme almost three years in a row now, and it just doesn't, it, it doesn't happen. I mean, a few years ago, they let their quarterback of their power play, Tory Krug, go, and everybody thought that was the beginning of the downturn. They just. Charlie McAvoy steps up to their top pair. Matt Grizzlick, all these guys. It's like they manufacture these guys that know how to run power plays. Yeah. And it's another team that most good teams do. They thrive on their power play. And that Bruins team hasn't missed a beat. And they 
in my opinion, a few years ago, Tory Krug was the best power play guy in the NHL. And they just they let him go as a free agent and haven't missed a beat since. Now they haven't won a Stanley Cup, but they've been in the mix every single season. Yeah, the NHL the other day sent out some some number based uh, things uh, at the halfway point, and they said the Bruins were on pace for 129 points, which is just absolutely insane. Uh, that's how well they've played. Um, so I'm with Ashlyn and, and you, Joe. I like it is somewhat about moral victories in this in this spot because I don't think anyone's expecting the Flyers to go like eight one and zero, nine one and zero in these ten game chunks. So. If you're in it in the third period against Boston, that's great. Like competitive games where guys can learn whether it's through success or failure late in games, like real positives because the last thing you want to see is Toronto. Like you don't want to see those losses where you're just blown out of the water and you're not even competitive. So I think com- competitive losses um, or maybe taking one of the two, real positive for the Flyers. And Joe, yeah, you're right. The trade deadline could be really interesting. They're going to sell, like no matter what, like they will be selling unless they honestly go into that trade deadline with like a twenty-game winning streak. But um, the fact is, the Flyers, if, if if they feel like they're taking really good steps this year, then they're going to want to supplement this in the summer. And the best way to give yourself a really good chance to supplement things in the summer is the trade deadline. Like start gearing up for the summer by gaining assets for the summer. Uh, at the trade deadline, putting yourself in the best possible position in the summer to to give your your team a better chance next year. Um, so that's where like the season could probably go a little further south too. Is you, you shed some young, some really good players to gain assets. Um, like James Van Riems, like is a big reason why Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost are playing so well. He's a veteran guy, like he's been around and knows how to play with young guys, knows how to build confidence in younger players. And if they shed him and Suddenly he's gone. Like your younger players are probably going to take a step back, but um, it'll be important because the Flyers, yeah, really need to make sure they they build off of what they have right now, and uh, that'll lead to the summer uh, where some even bigger decisions will be made. Yeah, and you know, Jordan, here's the other thing too. So you'd mentioned earlier about how you know fans don't want to hear this like it's not about this year and th- this big picture talk. And Ashlyn was talking about it too. But the thing is, when you when you take a scope of the fans you hear a lot of this like ownership needs to be replaced and gms need to be replaced and this guy needs to be replaced and that guy needs to be replaced those are all big picture things but then when it comes to winning games they don't want to be here about the big picture so there's no way to please everyone it it just you, you have to this is not a stanley cup contender this season so if it's not a Stanley Cup contender this season, you have to look toward the future. And that's that's where this team is right now. And they're not the only team in the NHL that's like that. There's teams in every sport where they are getting rid of big pieces in order to look toward the future. You know, I mean, like, just look at uh, in the NFL. I mean, Christian McCaffrey might be the best player in the NFL, and the Carolina Panthers traded him this year because they didn't have a chance to win this year with him you know you have to that's these are the decisions that have to be made and you know because everyone now has a uh, uh, the ability to just spew their arguments out whenever they want you get a lot of this sort of feedback that no one um you know you can't please everyone 
And the object isn't to please everyone because if everybody has the same goal uh, to be in contention at some point uh, it, as soon as possible, um, then everyone would be, you know, pleased. So it's, it's kind of a fine line to walk, but it's clear what this team has to do. It, and, you know, like you said, they're going to sell. They have to. Ashlyn, this is probably a tough question, but I want to ask you, are are you surprised there's so many kind of like pro-tank fans right now with the Flyers? Like, did you expect that? I, I will say I think there's a much larger portion of fans that like want the team to win. I think they're just a tag quieter on the internet compared to the pro-tank. But is that a part of sports? You know, when the team is in a tough spot, they probably want you to lose so you can you can gain draft picks and build for the future. Yeah, I will never forget. 2018, the Jaguars were neck and neck, or not 2019, the Jaguars were neck and neck with the Jets for the number one overall pick. And <laughs> the Jaguars won that game to give them the number one overall pick. And the Jaguars were just, they were public enemy number one on the internet. Like, how dare you ruin this and win this game? And it was just, or the Jets. And I just don't, I think it's the dumbest argument in sports when fans ask a team to tank. That is like asking your accountant to lose you money and not do your job, they would get fired. Like it just, it's almost disrespectful to the coaches, the players in the sport say, Hey, don't do your job. And you know what? Worry about us in the future. Like that's not, not their job. Their job's to win games right now. So I never understand this argument. I get why fans want it, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in any sports you cover or love. So this, the argument is just, it's a merry-go-round. You're never going to get what you want. So I don't i don't get why we go on Twitter and just freak out over winning six out of seven games. It just makes no sense to me. The other thing, too, Jordan, is this is a city that watched the Sixers do it for four seasons in a row. <laughs> and really, what did they get out of it? They got a number one pick that turned out to be Ben Simmons, and we all know how the city feels about him. They got a number one pick that turned out to be Markel Fultz, who – had zero impactful games for the Sixers. So tanking to get the number one pick while Connor Bedard seems like, you know, the real deal, it doesn't, first of all, with the lottery, it doesn't guarantee you the number one pick. And number two, it doesn't guarantee you wins. Not in any sport. I mean, you know, they uh, look, look in the NFL. I mean, ja uh, Ashland covered the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence was a number one pick. They haven't won any playoff games yet. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's it's tough for a quarterback to develop. I get that. But there's this perception that if you get number one pick, then then you're going to start winning. And that's not what happens. Um, the Sixers are the best example of this. They had a, a full front office that was all in, board, in lockstep with them losing and winning 10 games a season. And the stands were empty. And it was, well, we're going to get Ben Simmons. And, well, we're going to get Markel Fultz. And what happened? The Celtics got Jason Tatum in a pick that the Sixers traded to them so they could have number one. How's that worked out? Jason Tatum's going to be a Hall of Famer. And Markel Fultz, nobody could even tell you what team he's on. And then, of course, obviously the Ben Simmons. So, I mean, it's it's tanking. It's almost like there's uh, the, the, the karma of doing that. Mm -hmm catches up with you because if you even look around sports and the teams that have tried to do this, can you think of one that won a championship? 
I, I really can't. Yeah, I know the Penguins, obviously, they were really bad, and then they, they landed, what was it, Crosby, Malkin. Right, Murray, but that like, was before tanking was really like a yeah. trend in sports. Yeah. I'm more talking about, like, I feel like in the last five years, tanking has become this big thing in sports. Yeah. And if you look around sports, I don't know anybody that it's worked for yet. No, I agree. And and to me, it's just the really the really good teams take pride in in scouting and player development and hitting on players in the draft in the teens and the twenties. Like, especially in the NHL, you can find really, really good players in the mid first round, late first round. And if you hit on those guys, um, you know, you don't have to be awful to hit on those guys. You you can you can have an okay season or you can make the playoffs and get bounced and then and then do a really good job drafting and developing the next two years. So um, that's that's my take on it too. Uh, I don't think you should lose on purpose. Like Ashton said, um, I just don't know what kind of message it sends to your current roster where you admit to not wanting to win or thinking you guys can't win. Like that's why I think the Flyers have been a little hush-hush on uh, rebuild and retool and the, all those buzzwords because what message does it send to the guys you're trying to build around or hoping to learn from? Like if you just flat out say, we don't think we can win. You don't have to go out there and say, we're going to win the Stanley Cup or make the playoffs, but you also don't have to say, Hey, we're going to be God awful. So, you know, maybe a little more transparency with the fan base can be good, but at the same time, uh, I I'm not against not using those words either. I, I think you can, you know, you can kind of play it down the middle and, take a we'll see approach and and just learn about your team and then go from there. But yeah. And Jordan, just to follow up too, like look at the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. yeah. They had what? Seven number one overall picks in a 12 year span. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid. And I mean, Nugent Hopkins took a long time to develop, but McDavid has been a superstar since the moment he stepped on the NHL ice and they've won what two playoff series. Yeah. I yeah, mean, last year was the first year they really kind of did something yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, and this is a generational player, one that Connor Bedard is being compared to. So, just take a look at that. They haven't won anything. Yeah. I'm not saying they won't, but I'm also saying that there's a lot of buzz talking about are, is Edmonton going to waste Connor McDavid's career? Mm-hmm. So, it's, there's no guarantees. That's the truth, yeah. And I, I just think like Claude Drew was picked in the twenties of the first round. Uh, Travis, uh, Joel Faraby was picked in the in the teens, I think at fourteen. So, yeah, I think the point being, you can find some really really good players, foundation type of players uh, later in the draft. It's not like you have to load up on top three picks, but that's going to be a discussion that we're probably going to be having, and fans are going to want to talk about the rest of the season. I'm sure Ashlyn, Joe, and, and you all will ha- have to probably talk about it on pre and post game live, but. No one's really going to complain when the team's going six one and zero in seven game stretches. It's going to make it interesting. Um, and we were talking a little bit before the podcast. It might be the most interesting uh, team we've had for the fl- here in Philadelphia with the Flyers, probably maybe two years. So uh, I think everyone's going to be following us and see what w- what goes on with this team moving forward. But it was so fun chatting, guys. Ashlyn, thank you so much for coming on, and we can't wait to watch you on pre- and post-game live coming up here. Joe Fordyce, thank you so much. Can't wait to see what you guys have in store for the shows coming up. A, bit, a special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer and guru, for always being flexible with our time. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest 
Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.